honestly, alcohol is completely to thank for that <laughs> entire situation. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. This is another episode of the Scoped Exposure Podcast. Uh, I'm sure anyone listening can attest to having to see a band live, maybe only once because maybe they're not uh, a band that's touring super actively at the time that you're in hardcore. But the impact that they leave off of that set um, still sticks with you to this day. And that's kind of the theme, uh, at least to intro um, my guest today, which is Dan from King Nine. Uh, I still remember vividly when King Nine came up through uh, Calgary to play Wild Rose in 2019. And uh, I think, Dan, you have been someone that I thought about hitting up for a while to be on the pod. Uh, and it's funny because we were going to do this interview before FYA and had to do a, a bit of a rescheduling. And I feel like there's, you know, obviously, if you've been on the internet, you've seen the the King Nine TV, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> crucifixion. So um, I'm stoked to chat about the band and also all things. But thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I uh, I have a weird soft spot for Calgary. So shout out to all of our friends from Calgary. And, and uh, I, I do... Being the fact that you brought up Wild Roses, I was talking about earlier today how how much I enjoyed playing Wild Rose and how I felt like we were like a I like a, a band that like nobody would be like oh yeah they'll they'll play Calgary but the reality is, is as soon as we get asked to play anywhere where we were like it's kind of different and weird we're like yeah yeah let's do it right and uh, it, it was awesome I'm, yes. so I'm super happy we got to do that yeah there's definitely a moments from that set as I rewatch it this morning that I want to I guess dig a little deeper on and have new. There's there's some nuances that I think would be cool to touch on. But before we chat any music things, we have to check a bev before we get into the episode. So tell me what you got and uh, and why you got what you got. I have a uh, Colombian pour over from my local coffee shop, Kinship in Astoria, Queens. And uh, I got it because I'm tired. <laughs> yes, I think uh, before we were recording officially, when I was asking how Dan's day was going, um he's like i've done fucking nothing so you know starting the <laughs> coffee and, and doing this podcast is is a good move yeah um I, do you have like just because where you're from do you have like a surplus of different coffee locations i'm sure it's like you know oh, yeah yeah like yeah. The, i'm i Dude. i don't know what the ratio is from like third wave stuff to just like gas station s like you know ash water but like anything you want to share as far as your locale so I, where I live in Astoria, there is, there is two like legit coffee shops, like just coffee shops. Like one is about three blocks away and the other is about five or six blocks away. Mm -hmm. And then there's like seven or eight, like bagel shop, coffee. No, it's not really good coffee, but it's there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I specifically walk past everything to go to my coffee shop, Kinship, 
because um, it's fucking awesome. And uh, also because um, I I pretty much run into Mike Dijon every day and we, and we bullshit for a little bit. Mike Dijon, who played in uh, Crown of Thorns and Breakdown. And, oh, okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, he, he's been in a million bands, but Mike's the fucking man. And, and we, I always just go down there and grab a coffee. I usually see him and we bullshit for a minute and then I head back home. Mm-hmm. Is is that, are you seeing him regularly because he's also like a kinship fan? He's just going there all the time as well? Yeah, I mean, he, li- he, lives, down, he lives down the street. So oh, I, yeah, okay. we, we both... We both just end up going there all the time too. So yeah. it's it's kind of funny how many people in hardcore, like New York hardcore, like older dudes, still live in this neighborhood. Like Dijon lives over here. Demi, who plays drums in Crown of Thorns, lives another two blocks away. Hmm. Uh, AJ Novello, who played guitar in Leeway, lives like four blocks that way. Like everybody lives in this fucking area. So yeah. it's funny. Like if you know who you're looking for, you'll run into somebody every fucking day. Yeah, that's very, very cool. There's almost like there needs to be like a New York hardcore like coffee meetup of some kind, you know, of all the different generations. I don't know how many people know this, but Astoria was like a hotbed for hardcore in the 80s and 90s. Like tons and tons of bands came out of here Mm -hmm. and there was a ton of hardcore kids here. And the, the thing always was, I always heard this and I always tried it since I was a kid, was the last car on the end train if you're getting on the end train in queens go to the last car because that's where all the hardcore kids go so oh, you would go okay. on to the last car and you'd see somebody you knew or maybe a few people you know or whatever but that was always like the thing like hmm. last car the end train that's where all the hardcore kids are in astoria okay that's uh yeah that's uh um that's a very cool little uh, Astoria hardcore lore bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's very cool. Uh, I've already had my morning coffee. So, you know, having two back to back coffees with that, that small amount of time can be a little funky for me. So I'm drinking something that's kind of still has some caffeine, but is more like the sparkling water category. So, uh, this is my first time having this as well. So it's called wake water. I found this at the grocery store. So it's like a caffeinated sparkling water grapefruit flavored which anyone who's been following um this season of the show i've been on a grapefruit kick lately so that's what i'm going to be drinking so you gotta be careful man grapefruit cancels out medications oh so if you're on medication don't fucking drink anything with grapefruit in it because the medication will stop working what why is that is it just the acidity is so (laughs) wild no it's like it's something to do with like some sort of receptors or i I don't fucking know but my uh, the guitar player in my band is a pharmacist and he fucking tells us that all the time so wow. i just trust what he says so he's making it we're up. learning about astoria hardcore lore as well as medical facts within like <laughs> yeah. five minutes of this pod i love that <laughs> uh well dan cheers to you my friend really excited to do this cheers bro of course speaking of fruits which was funny uh i was gonna bring this up in the intro as well um I think I just had a brain fart when I was reaching out to you originally. And I just, I saw your Instagram name and I was like, well, there's no way Strawberry is his last name. And I just assumed your name was Daryl. But I, I've like listened to other things. I was like, oh, why did I fuck that up? But do you just like heavily fuck with strawberries or was that just like an inside joke? Daryl Strawberry is the best Mets hitter to ever exist. Oh, okay. So that's why my name is Daryl Strawberry because he's just one of he's like my favorite Met of all time. So he's an actual person. 
Yeah, Daryl Strawberry is a real person, and he was on the 1986 Mets when they won the World Series. Wow! And he was fucking awesome. What a legendary last name, Mr. Strawberry. Yeah, <laughs> He's fucking awesome. That's very awesome. Um, so Dan, uh, like we, we talked a little bit before recording officially, like you've checked out like a, a number of different uh episodes of this, you know, from all the way the fact that you listened to Evan McIsaac's episode, which was like episode nine, and we're like almost near 250 now is is crazy to me um but you know shout out evan i have to shout out i have to stop you shout out evan shout out evan uh unofficial uh you know was the unofficial inclination singer for, for a while uh for one set um but you know i always like to get a bit of context about how people just got into hardcore in general so take me back in time to like the first you know moments that you were hearing heavy music hardcore however you want to spin it um so I have okay, so there's there's two things. I have an older brother. He's seven years older than me. Um, well, six and a little bit, but he was into a, like heavier music, hardcore. Um, when he was younger, right. when he was like you know eighteen years old, he introduced me to a lot of stuff. He introduced me to a lot of like uh, local Long Island bands that didn't people may not have known at the time and some that obviously people knew, like he introduced me to VOD and, and, and stuff like that. But, um, he did introduce me to a lot, but funny enough, the way that I first heard hardcore is the dumbest. It's so stupid. Uh, I was, I was a little kid and I saw clueless the movie. I was like seven or eight and I saw clueless Mm -hmm. and in clueless money, money, Boston's are playing. And they're like, you know, whatever. Dickie Barrett like stage dives in it, and I was like, that's so cool. I just thought it was cool. Right. So I, I found out who the band was in it, and I was like super into Mighty Mighty Boston's, but I didn't own any CDs or anything like that. And uh, on my birthday that year, I asked for a Mighty Mighty Boston CD, and the CD that got bought for me was called it's a it's a single called Scott Core the Devil and a whole lot more. And it it's you know it's one Money Money Boston track and then five, four or five covers and it's like a minor threat cover, an SSD cover, an angry Samoans cover, and something else that I'm forgetting. Hmm. But that is actually the first time I heard hardcore because I'm fucking like eight or nine years old or whatever it is and I'm listening to this CD that's like ssd angry samoans i have no fucking clue what i'm listening to right but that like kind of set me up to be like oh this is the kind of music i like i like this and then like just like progressed into more stuff as i got older and then my brother started showing me a lot of stuff and then it kind of just kind of just went from there really hmm. yeah it's a uh, I, I i've heard you tell the story before but i think what's interesting to me and a huge reason of why I asked this question is that I don't think that there's any one way for people to discover this shit. Like, like a very similar um, thing that I'm sure there's some people who are listening is like, maybe they were first listening to like um, Cannibal Corpse because they watched H Ventura and they're playing in in one of those movies. So um, I, I love hearing like the, it's cool to see and you don't see it really much anymore of like hardcore or just heavy music, like plugged into like, like movies and those kind of things but you know it clearly has it has an impact i think i think that you definitely don't see it anymore but i i have a 
strong feeling we're going to start seeing it again like heavy heavier music and just like hardcore in general being involved in a lot more popular culture shit and right. whether it's like the turnstile effect or whatever the fuck you want to call it um i think that like this mix of covid and turnstile and like all this shit all like together has somehow made hardcore into like a more mainstream thing now which is you know there's bad to it and there's good to it right you know you're gonna get a, a good amount of bad at it but you're gonna get a lot of actual kids who like identify with the music and are like this is something that i care about and they stay with it for you know for the rest of their lives right so who knows i, I don't know if if uh if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I do think that there, that, that whole thing of like heavy music being involved in popular culture is like coming back around. Yeah. So we'll yeah. See. yeah. I think like, you know, the, the argument there, like, I don't think anything is like a hundred percent absolute when it comes to being either good or bad. I think there's a lot of gray area and you know, there's, there's probably things that the, the majority of it is, is good or bad, but I don't think that you can just blindly say, you know, turnstile being on a late night show or being able to play, um, you know, with Blink, you know, because uh, like my wife's a big like Kardashians fan. And I'm just like, I'm waiting for the Kardashians episode where they're like on tour with Travis yeah. Barker and there's, you know, seeing Brendan and all these people stage diving. And I'm like, I know that's yeah. going to have an impact, good or bad. I don't know, but I, I'm at least interested and intrigued to see how it plays out long term, because I think we're just yeah. at the tip of the iceberg of all this. I, I think we are too. And I think that like, uh, you know, man, it really is a weird couple of years, I think. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much because uh, whatever, but like we're playing a show coming up in, in April and a very strange organization hit us up to okay. come to the show. I don't want to like say too sure. much, yeah, yeah. but the fact that they're doing this is like, oh, so you want like millions of people to see this hardcore show? Hmm. Okay. It's it's odd. That yeah, I'm sure I'm sure by the time that show comes around in April, somebody will see something and and whatever. But like, it's fucking odd. It's okay. it's definitely weird. Well, if that's not the Charlie Brown like pulling the football uh, tease, I don't know what is. But that sounds very <laughs> exciting, regardless. Um, talk to me about like the origin of, of King nine. Cause, uh, I was listening to, uh, your hard Lord podcast as well as your, uh, I think it's angel and Z, uh, interview, uh, yeah, a, yeah. a year or so ago. Um, but you know, what was interesting to me from, from doing my research is that like you just correct the record. You are the original vocalist, but like you weren't at the very beginning stages of the band. Yeah, so I, the band like existed in some weird like oh where we played at a practice space together once. Sure. And this is the group, but it like really wasn't. It was just like a few people playing, and like sure they kind of just like filtered through people mm -hmm. to get to the you know a real lineup. And um, Rudder, our drummer, who's a, an extremely old friend of mine, that we, I've known him since I was. I don't know, 14 years old or something like that, 15 years old. He hit me up and was like, hey, I'm doing this band. Like, do you want to sing in it? 
and he sent me like a couple practice based recordings and i was like one of which is was actually if i'm thinking right one of which was no dreams because they had already written that song before i was like ever in the band um and i was like yeah sure so went practiced with them we didn't really practice we didn't do anything we saw i, I we played a couple terror covers and i was like <laughs> yeah this is cool and then we progressed and wrote songs and at the time the band was Gian, Lumpy, Rudder, and then like a rotating cast of like who's bass and who's singing and whatever. But as soon as I got in the band, then it became like a concrete like, okay, I'm singing in this band. This is our band. Sure. And then after that, Nick came in, our original bass player. um, And then he was like a concrete member of the band. And then that was like the band. And then we wrote music, played our first shows all that stuff after that. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I feel like there's a certain point when you realize like, okay, this is, this is like day one of this band. Even if we've had multiple weeks or months of like random little jams like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it, but it is cool, um, to hear how it was like probably an original member by, by proxy either way, but I, it's, it's just kind of a weird thing. It was like, you know, you coming into the picture was like, okay, now we're like, like, let's start to like pave a way. Yeah. I think part of it was the fact that they didn't, they had had people who had like been in bands and stuff like that and whatever. And like, you know, they played like locally and, and whatever it was, but I think that it was part, part of the fact that I was like, I had been in a band that toured. I was like, in a more active band than anybody they had asked to be in it before. Mm -hmm. So it became like, like, okay, this is, this is the right person for this. And then Nick joined the band was in backtrack and and stuff like that for short periods of time. Like he had also been in like a real band that toured and all that stuff. So yeah, I think that's like kind of what sealed the deal. Yeah. Um, What was, was funny uh, that I heard that you were, um, you know, you were mentioning that the the name of the band King Nine comes from a Twilight Zone episode, but there's been lots of people that have either mentioned to you or or asked about is that just off of like a like a poker hand or or something like that. And I think you yeah. said on one of the interviews like I wouldn't name like a a hardcore band off of a shitty poker hand. So my question That's is, terrible. what is the best poker hand that you could name a hardcore band off of? Dude, I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> oh my God, this is such an insane question. So there's a hand that I love to play. I love to play Queen 10 off. I have no fucking idea why. I have no, like, it just feels good to have. I okay. have no fucking clue why. But to name a hardcore band, I have no fucking clue. <laughs> it has to be some some terrible hand that's like, oh yeah, life, life sucks. Right. This is also a shitty it makes sense for a hardcore band. sure queen 10 sounds like the perfect like like um alter ego side project to king nine so yeah yeah right yeah yeah, yeah when we when we eventually have a new wave band uh, it'll definitely be called that queen 10 okay gotcha trademark it <laughs> um yeah yeah i was like sometimes my brain goes to these like super obscure questions that i'm sure you've never been asked but like you know you kind of said that i was like well what would be the best hand like like naming a band full house it probably like it doesn't have yeah a lot of that because it's like it's, you know you're thinking of the tv show at that point that's true yeah i mean i don't know man you know there's like 
I feel like I feel like craps would be better because it has all these goofy little nicknames for craps rolls. Like a hard four is a little Joe. It's like it's goofy shit like that <laughs> that I feel like would sound better for a hardcore band. Mm. So the worse the hand, the cooler the name potentially. I, I would think, right? But <laughs> two seven off sounds stupid. That doesn't even sound like a band. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, just a little early goof that I wanted to throw at you to 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 pick your brain. Um in in the midst of like King Nine starting, like um I know I know an earlier um part of your hardcore journey that you mentioned was um you you jumped in a van with terror when you were like 17 years old so was the king nine stuff post this kind of like terror adventures or was that at the same time no so so my first real band was a band called mind peace mm -hmm. we uh were like super short-lived but um in 2007 um so fucking jesus christ 16 years ago um my band Mind Peace played did a tour with Terror. Terror hit us up on MySpace and we're like, hey, we're gonna do like 10 Northeast shows. Um, do you guys want to do it with us? And whatever. And we were like, of course. Of course. Yes. You know, I had just high school. Uh I was still 17, but I was done with high school. And and um yeah, so we we did that tour with them. That was the first real tour I ever did. And it was 10 days, and I like couldn't believe how fucking cool it was. So as soon as that tour was done, Terror was going into a Chimera Cataclysm tour. And I was just like, yo, is there like anything I can do like to just hop in the van? And uh, they were like, yeah, sure. So I, I fucking just went on the rest of that tour. Um, it was like a month long, I think. Mm. And uh, yeah, like semi helped drum teching i sent i like helped do like whatever bullshit but i just wanted to be on tour mm. and then after after that a couple of years after that is when i like actually worked for terror and then i was working for terror for the next like three years three and a half years or something like that mm. so yeah the, but that was all my piece was a band and then i was in the van with terror for a while and then uh then I toured but for a little while. I wasn't in any band. Mind piece ended. There was nothing I was really a part of. And then during my last year, my last like year and a half with Terror, King Nine started. Gotcha. And then okay. I stopped touring with Terror. And then, you know, obviously like King Nine has been in a band since then. So mm -hmm. So was that like was that like early you you know, formed of years being, you know, 17 or early 20s at that point, but like how much do you credit that time in your life or or taking that chance of of being like i can ask but are they gonna say yes like how pivotal was that for you to where you are right now i mean i honestly i don't i definitely wouldn't it's cliche to say but i would not be the same person mm -hmm. i i spent seven and a half or almost eight years of my life touring after that and like i it's led me up to everything I I have basically like almost all my friendships, my fucking everything I do is because I decided, Oh, uh, well, I'm going to, I've been going to college for a month. 
and I'm just going to fucking drop out and fuck this. And I just went on tour. Right. So it's like everything I have really does like relate back to that. Cause I had fucking, I have no idea what the hell I would be doing if I didn't do those tours. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like I think a question I have is like, you know, you're touring super, super heavily and now you're at a stage in your life where maybe that isn't as much, the same and you know like like king nine will still do like you know little one-off things play fest but it's not like oh we're gonna you know maybe maybe it's not at a stage where you can tour for like two months straight um nor do bands necessarily do that most of the time nowadays anyway so like is that something when you know because we have people from ages like 15 to like 40 that listen to this podcast uh as far as what the what the analytics tell me but like do you think that's that like putting those years of your life in that kind of uncomfortable of spaces, like you would, would you recommend that to like really anyone if, if they have the option uh, to do so? I I have to be honest, especially if you care about hardcore or, or punk or whatever music, if you have the option to go on tour, you absolutely should do it. You, there, there should, unless it's going to ruin your life. I, I, I absolutely think you should do it because you're, you're, getting this opportunity that no one gets that, that, that is, it's like a foreign world, you know, like I I'm, I'm an iron worker now. Right. I, I, I do structural iron. I talk to a lot of guys that have been doing that since they're 18, 20 years old. They didn't really have any of these experiences in their life previous to iron working. They just fucking iron work and that's fine. But when I talk to them and we fucking, you know, talk about stories and they ask me about all this shit, they they're like wow like you really you had like a you lived like a full life already and then you got into ironworking and it's like i just toured with a bunch of dumbass bands for like <laughs> seven you know what i mean like right but it, it does it does like dude i got to travel all over the world i got to go to places that people never get to go to i got paid to do it i fucking you know i, I it, it's there is nothing like it there's nothing like it. You just are in a van with your friends for months on end. And there's times we hate each other and whatever. And, and But there is nothing cooler than that. There really is nothing fucking cooler yeah. than that. So, yeah, if you're a fucking if you're young, if you're old, whatever, if you get the opportunity to do it, even if it's a week or two weeks, go do it because it's going to be some of the best times of your life, no matter what. I don't think I've ever heard from you know, necessarily a normie's perspective of going on tour for like, you know, like, let's say like five ish or five plus years feel like it's almost like, oh, you've lived a full life because it's like, yeah, to anyone else it's like, I might get my two weeks of vacation here or there to be able to, you know, do a Cancun thing or whatever. But like being able to like go to the the really cool places but also go to the places that you like i never thought i would be in like the deep south but i'm here playing shows and you know finding yeah. cool places and and things to take away from that is uh is very interesting mm-hmm. yeah there there's definitely there is so many things that it's just like you don't really like connect the dots to it but it's like yeah i went to i went to macedonia with terror we played the second hardcore show ever there. And ever. it's like, wow. Okay. Ever, yeah. It was, who was the, the first, the, do you know who the first was? Yeah. It was, it was like six months before that. It was sick of it all. Oh, sick okay. of it all played there. 
entire play there. And like, it probably wasn't the 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 for the second hardcore show ever, but it was like the second time a touring band had ever been there. Sure, yeah, because it's like, you know, whatever they just didn't get that. But it's like, I don't know anybody that's been to Macedonia. Why the <laughs> hell people go there? You know what I mean? Not in like a disrespectful way, but it's like, unless you have family from there or whatever, like, what's the purpose of you going? to macedonia unless you want to see the birthplace of mother Teresa. that's all i can think of so it's like you know you get these opportunities to do these things and like yeah maybe you're not going to go on tour and go to fucking macedonia but you're going to go on tour and you're going to go to these places and you're going to meet these people and you're going to have friendships that you make for the rest of your life just because you're going on tour i mean dude i still i fucking andy kukta Played it plays in a band currently called Mongrel, who's awesome. Mm-hmm. But Andy Andy played in Internal Affairs and lives in California. I met Andy the first time Mind Peace ever went to California. I was, I think I was eight, I just turned 18 or something like that. And I don't see Andy often, but I saw Andy. We played with Mongrel in San Diego like a month ago. And I saw Andy and I was like, dude, what's up? Like, he's my friend. He's been my friend for over 15 years now because I just fucking played out there and stayed at his house. Right. People, normal people never have that experience. They'll never be able to, like, replicate something like that. And they won't right. get it. And you, I expect them to get it. But if you have the opportunity to, to experience those things and go on tour and make friends and do all that shit, even just traveling to a fucking fest, you know what I mean? It, it's think about it. I, I went to Cal. We played Calgary, right? We played uh, Wild Rose. Mm-hmm. I still I have friends I made at Wild Rose and friends in Calgary now that I'll I'll know for fucking ever. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's just because you're doing these things and we have this like bond through hardcore that doesn't exist in the normal world. Yeah. I I always like have to remind myself and pinch myself a little bit off of like the fact that when you make friends in hardcore you kind of put that like overwhelming trust and like um friendship yeah. up front. Like, and you could just bond over, like, the fact that, like, you know, you're wearing a, a similar band shirt or, or something like that, or like a band that both of you like, but you like, oh, you need a place to sleep? Sleep on my floor. Um, and, you know, yeah, I, I totally absolutely. echo the exact same thing, whether, you know, maybe you're not getting, maybe you're not getting the opportunities to tour, but you're also can create those opportunities for yourself if you're smart about it. Like, you know, like, you can we see more than ever now that like it doesn't need to be like a booking person like the fact that tsunami is doing their like north american tour uh in in a couple months but it's fully booked diy there's no middleman in between it's like that shit is like really really cool to see so um yeah i i totally agree like off of the point as well off of like i never had if if future me traveled back in time and told me you're gonna make a ton of friends from oklahoma and you're gonna go to this fest and play there i'd be like why the fuck would i do that but it's like you know i have great friends there still to this day that i talk to on on the weekly so it's um it's wild and uh for for whatever you do profession wise everyone else is like wait what like it just doesn't connect yeah it's it's really crazy like I, to to your point, like I have a whole handful of friends in Poland that I've been talking to for I, that I met probably 15 years or yeah, like maybe whatever, 13, 14 years ago. And I talk to them all the time. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not, it's not a normal thing. It's not a thing that, that other people will ever understand. Mm-hmm. 
So um, looking kind of just like jumping back to like the King Nine stuff. So, um, you know, you've talked on like some other podcasts about like how even in like the early days, like you had a handful of friends that were like almost like going off extra hard at like the early shows to have people be like, whoa, who is this King Nine character? And like, um, why should we, you know, but, you know, as far as like releases, like, you know, like Death Rattle was put out like, I guess five years it it is like technically yeah, technically, yeah. 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 um but yeah it's it's wild to see off of that and then like some of the other like eps and and things that you guys have put out you still have been able to like you know play large fests like have crazy responses like all the videos i saw at fya um with what's on the horizon because there was a little bit that you shared on the hardware podcast as far as you know yeah. dropping uh dose eps this year uh which i i that's public knowledge that i can share yeah, yeah okay. i don't give a shit i i'm saying i'm saying it so that it happens okay the more i say it, we're forced to do it yeah so like with that amount of time like has there been like just a lot of fine tuning in between death rattle to like you know the stuff that's coming out now or has it just been like taking your time as you as you please I, I really think it's just been like us taking our time. I don't think there's been like ever like a, you know, all of us have like careers at this point, you know, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody in the band has something that they do full time that they have to do. So we're never like, you know, like, Oh, l- let's get together and do this. Like we just want to do what's fun to us mm-hmm. and what's cool to us because what the fuck is the point in doing anything else? You know what I mean? So like, you know, we, we came up with this idea to do the, the records like this and, and we're just doing it because we think it's like, yeah, it's just gonna be cool. Like, mm-hmm. fuck it. It's just be fun. And like, we're going to record, you know, whenever we do. And, and there, there's no like agenda for anything we have. There's no, there's no fucking rhyme or reason why we're doing anything. There never has been. And I think it's the best way to do it because I mean, shit, what, like, I, there there used to be this thing in hardcore where bands would follow, like, the very strict, like, every two years, you got to have a record out, you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to, and it's just, like, that's cool and all, I guess, if you're a full-time touring band, and you're making a living off of it, but, like, who gives a shit? Just do whatever, man, like, do what the fuck ever you want. Mm-hmm. If you want to record one record and play... 10,000 shows off of it just fucking do it like there should be no reason that you gotta like do anything like by a formula mm-hmm. you know and i think too like the less you do it by a formula the more success you're gonna have because it's confusing to people being like why the fuck is king nine gonna put out two eps in a year and i'm like because who fucking cares what does <laughs> it even matter right yeah and i think i think if anything it keeps people on their toes a little bit i would rather be on my toes about a band versus like oh yeah two years something's probably coming down the pipe and here's the single and the music video like i love that knock loose like put out two records after they were signed and then dropped like arguably their best material as an ep like i i love that to be able to like flip it on its head and i love especially like through flat spot like when bands are getting signed like just doing like eps that if anything it's like all the fat is like cut away from it and it's just like the the most tender of of music to to chew on well that that i think is the other thing is like 
you know, when, when you're in the process of writing an LP, and I think I said this on Hardware too, like there is a level of mediocrity that you're willing to accept because you're, you're like, well, we need 10 songs. We need 11 songs. So you're just like, yeah, this one's fine. Put it on. And it's like, that's all well and good. I guess, you know, sometimes those songs will end up being somebody's favorite song and that, that's cool. But like, man, I, why not just like cut it down and be like, you know what? We wrote 10 songs. Here's the three best ones. And that's all you're going to hear. Right. Because you put out those three songs and it's like, holy shit, these are three incredible songs that this band wrote. Mm -hmm. And they just, that's it. That's the only thing on the circuit. And I think, I think it's a cool idea too. I think it, it, it really is a way to trim the fat on a lot of records for that, for that matter. Yeah. There, there, there is someone that said once to me that, you know, your band could put out like a, like a meh EP and like, if it just doesn't hit or, you know, the already established fan base that you have, like that's easy enough. But if you put out like a bad full length, then it's almost like game over to a degree. So like that is such a feat. And like, we see bands nowadays that like put out that like full length that actually changes the trajectory of that band. Like, I think like California Curse by Drain is like the album that like changed everything for them. And it was those like the two song promo that they had prior to that, where I was like, oh, like, and that band, like, like the, there's, there's cult fans of like the older material, but that was the record that like, okay, now we're like, you know, now we're nitro is like in the engine now. And it's like shooting us off into the moon. So it's a feat that I think every musician should try to tackle whether you're in a huge band or small band but you know easier said than done obviously yeah i mean for sure especially like if you've never done it yeah it probably is worth it to try to write an lp and it's like for us specifically like we wrote two lps um and especially with the way hardcore is received right now like fuck it we'll just do an ep you guys don't have an attention span to listen to a goddamn (laughs) half hour LP, anyways right well, this fucking here's 15, you know, 12 minutes of music and we'll give you another 12 or 15 minutes of music fucking somewhere down the line and right. fucking whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I do. I do think trying to write an LP is like a, an important thing for a band to try to do. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, it's a definitely, definitely something that's like a, uh, to hold some pride in. Yeah. Like, you know, you write an LP is not easy. It's very fucking hard. So right. there is some pride mixed into that. Um, I'll leave the person's name and, and band name out of this. Uh, but I had a I had, was having coffee with a friend whose band is on um, on Triple B, and uh, they have a like a full length that they need to put out as far as you know. And, and I feel like that's not like like Sam is pretty. I've heard through multiple interviews where bands were on Triple B. It's like yeah, I'll put this EP or demo out, but just like just let's do a full length together as well. That's a part yeah. of like the gentleman's agreement if you want to call it that and this person said to me is like i'm like oh are you gonna do like 10 songs because when i think lp i think 10 songs and they're like well we're gonna just figure out whatever the least amount of songs that we need to write and so it's like it just pushes over from the ep to lp like song length but you know it might be like eight songs but i'm like you know seven it's seven it's seven okay yeah so it's like seven is the number okay so if you're you know if you if you want to rise to the challenge of writing an LP, you only need to write seven songs versus yeah. you know, 10 and or 12. Two, you, you, could, you could feasibly do 
two songs that are like interludes and Intros, whatever the outros. Seven songs. Yeah. yeah dude. <laughs> you don't really have to like, like be honest about it. You know, you can <laughs> right. right, right. Um let's I wanna jump back to uh to Wild Rose that, that we were talking as far as like when you guys were playing up here. Um out of all the sets that I saw that day, that like like I said in the intro, that was one that really like stuck with me. You know, as as hard as like people were going off, uh, there was just like a first off playing in that venue or just being in that venue in general is just like um, it's it's like a sauna. It's so hot. Like so, oh, yeah. your set specifically, it was just like by the second or third song i was just seeing like the tarps were coming off and it was just like a bunch of dudes with like tattoos or not and uh i, I think half the band at, at your point was like shirtless as well and it was like all these like shirtless men piling up for king nine uh lyrics which was just hilarious to me um just on the topic of that set does anything stand out to you um when you when you think back on that I I actually think back about that specific like occurrence because there <laughs> there is like you know you you could break it down any way you want but there is like a uh sort of like uh jock mentality to it. it's like oh it's just a bunch of shirtless guys hitting each other and this and that and like I get it but there is like a sense of like beauty in all of this where, oh, yeah, yes. it is just a bunch of shirtless <laughs> guys beating the fuck out of each other. And like, but that's, that's cool. Like, I don't know. I don't give a fuck if you want to like classify it in some, some like, these are just fucking, you know, idiot jock, whatever the fuck. It's awesome. Everybody can do it. I don't give a fuck who you are. You don't have to be some big meathead. You could be fucking five foot nothing and weigh 80 pounds and still be fucking going crazy. Take your, do whatever, man. Like, right. There is like beauty to that. And there is, there is like a, a very like sense of like community in that as stupid as it sounds, there really is like this like cool thing about it because I think about shows when I was really young and I think about how it was, I saw, I saw neglect, uh, which is an old Long Island band that, that did, they did a reunion in 2005 and I saw it and I was, I was 15, I guess. Right. And, um, it was the hottest show I'd ever been in. I, I no exaggeration. The, the, the Brian, the singer neglect passed out on stage during the oh. set. They brought him outside. They like let him chill for 20 minutes. And then he went back in and finished the set. Like it was <laughs> That's so sick. Yeah. Also, also the show was already hot. Cause the show was, the show was neglect ice pick, which was, it, like just became a thing like jamie josta didn't even have ice pick songs written yet because ice pick at the time was a fucking cover band he just did the one the one ice pick i know sorry there was two ice pick songs mm -hmm. he did um born to crush you which is straight up an amazing song and i don't think anyone <laughs> even know this but they did born to crush you and they did the fucking ice tea whatever the fuck song i forget what the hell it's called sure. but Ice T needs to so, be on an ice pick song. That's a match made. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it was ice pick, no redeeming social value. And it's like two others. I can't remember. I think the berserkers were like a punk band from Long Island, but, but the show was already hot. The show was already fucking packed way oversold. Like couldn't move ridiculously hot. And he came in 
everybody like crowd surfed him and he was in a body bag and they like crowd surfed him from the front door to the stage and like put the body bag down and they started playing dig it and he like came out of the body bag it was fucking <laughs> awesome but i know that fucking body bag had to be a thousand degrees oh, yeah. when he was in- just like cooking him in like aluminum foil if anything yeah dude oh my god but yeah but back to what i was saying like the, those memories will stick with you forever because dude it was it was a bunch of like ex-military dudes beating the shit out of each other on long island i was 15 years old and i was like i have no idea what the fuck is going on but this is the coolest thing right ever and i like i like to neglect a lot when i was younger and i thought that part was cool but like seeing that was so much cooler to me and like being a part of that was so much cooler to me mm-hmm. and like i i hope that at some point people can reminisce about shows like that when they were young like you know and be like oh do you remember this like that oh, was so crazy so i you know that is the my takeaway from that that whole set and i, I really hope other people have the same thought about mm-hmm. it um just because uh like you know, I was filming you guys and, you know, like I also started this podcast a little bit later. Um, something that you said as I was like rewatching it and like it wasn't like I rewatched it and then I thought about it. Like when you said it, that was something that like stuck with me. And, you know, like I think that there are certain vocalists in hardcore that are like are known for like this is the person that says a lot of really like insightful shit um, or passionate stuff in between uh songs and then there's people that are kind of like you know sometimes that just sparks and i don't i don't know where you think that you fall on that scale but and and this is very relevant to me personally because i just turned 30 like uh, a couple of weeks ago and you were just talking about like i think you were asking who was 30 in the room and at the time of filming you guys i think i must have been like 26 or 27 but you were just saying how like it's cool to see people in 30 plus who are still in hardcore and don't just like view this thing that we do as like for kids or like, Oh, I did that shit in high school. Um, and again, there's just like nuances to me now where it's like, if anything, I'm like the most invested that I've ever been. And like, I look at the next 10 years of my life, um, as like, this is where I'm putting all like my chips and my energy, uh, when it comes to like doing this podcast, filming, playing in bands, um anything that like you know because you could have just said that on stage because it felt relevant i don't know if you've thought about that or have any follow-up things that you would like to add to that subject because you know you're definitely 30 plus at at this point as well i'm not trying to yeah get you out for your age (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm 33 now uh and i've been doing this since i was fucking 13 years old so it's it has been part of my life for fucking 20 years yeah but there's this thing and it was like a very it was very popular to do on long island until my generation uh, until my generation of kids were involved in hardcore and it was that was like you get you're in hardcore for like four or five years and then you decide that you like whatever fucking shit you like now that's like post hardcore. it's not really hardcore and then you just like fall away from it and you pretend like you're so much better than that and you're above hardcore and you're this and you're that and that shit is whack if that is if that's how you are you i love all all the other music i'm not saying that i'm saying like having this attitude that you're like oh i was never really a part of that i 
I didn't care about that. Mm-hmm. That shit is so lame, man. Think about think about your life as a fucking human being and having zero dedication to something. You're just floating through and finding what the next thing you fucking think is cool. You're not like, hey, I, I found this thing that I love and I'm going to invest my time and energy into it. And, and you see it a lot, especially now online. Like people talk all sorts of wild shit about like fucking idiots. Like this is why I'm not a part of this. This is... I good, good fucking riddance. I don't give a fuck. Don't come around then. You never were a part of it anyways, if that's how you're talking about mm-hmm. it. And there, there is this, there is this just like urge that people have to just like abandon things they cared about when they were younger. And, and that, that is just so fucking lame. So it's like, what are you, what are you abandoning? You're abandoning this thing you cared about when you were younger to do what? Go to work? Like, I don't even understand, like, what the fuck you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, right. it, you, you have this, like, this mentality that's so anti, like, it, enjoyment. It's so whack. Yeah. And, and Anti-enjoyment and I, to the things that you found passion in, but now are like, oh, like, I can't talk about that because I'm, like, trying to enjoy the after hours work party or whatever the fuck that's probably. At, fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so whack, and it's like you know, I see, I see behind you, you know, there's the fucking the the sword from Halo. Like I see Spider Man. Like, dude, those things make you happy. Who gives a fuck? Who cares? I love video games. I don't care. I'm gonna be fucking fifty and being like, oh yeah, I played this fucking thing. I don't give a shit. Right. Those are the things that make me happy, and you're never gonna like convince me otherwise. It's like the you know same old like, oh, that's for kids. That's for kids. It's like what why is it for like what do you just not like to enjoy things like you just fucking go work smoke a cigarette come home and you're miserable cool i never want to have that fucking life right but people love love to stand up on a pedestal from that point of view and be like oh i'm i'm above this i'm above all of you and it's like you're not you're so lame you have yeah. nothing in your life that you you were that passionate about and there are times i know that people get this um they feel like this, this like almost like shame, you know, when somebody, especially if you're younger and you're not really sure about a lot of things and then you hear somebody talk about, uh, you know, what, what you care about, whether it be fucking comic books, hardcore, anything, and that they talk down about it like it's whack. Mm. That is the time that you just need to understand that like, dude, dig your fucking heels in, dig your heels in and be like, fuck you. This is what I like. I yeah. don't care. You can, you can tell me I'm a fucking dork loser asshole whatever the fuck you want this is my shit and i do not give a fuck yeah and and that is is so goddamn important and in, in, in anything and yes. not just hardcore but especially hardcore but in anything totally just fucking be about it yeah like i i love the i totally agree with you on the mantra of like um of digging your heels and it's kind of that thing where it's like when you are actually passionate about something and you're in like maybe a social setting that maybe well it could still be hardcore or not but you're kind of like over not overly talking about it but in the past i used to be like oh sorry i'm talking so much about you know halo or you know whatever it is that i like i'm still passionate about if not more today um but you start to like you apologize and devalue what you're saying it's like if that's your shit, like talk about your shit, like, and, and there was almost like a, a weird thing that I would see in 
in hardcore where it's like if someone's being like overbearing to a degree it's like whoa that's crazy and like that was the tagline to kind of be like i actually don't give a fuck about this um <laughs> but i don't know at the end of the day i think like whether you love a certain band or you love uh like a subculture or something like that like i've thoroughly enjoyed talking to people about hardcore but then also getting to talk to them about like their passions behind cooking or like snowboarding or whatever it is like the i've gotten comments on other podcasts being like what the fuck is with this like bev check shit like i skip over that shit the minute it happens but i'm like that shit i love like i got fucking mounds of liquid death behind me and just random <laughs> things uh that i see at a grocery store i'm like i need to try this but that's just like my thing and uh I don't know. It's uh, it's so important to like wear the shit that you're passionate about on your sleeve. I think that's why we all like rep band shirts all the day, all the time, because it's like this is our uniform to a degree, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, if you've ever talked to anybody about a, a very specific topic and they're not passionate, like no one wants to have a conversation with somebody in depth about something, about something they're not passionate about. Who right. gives a fuck? I don't <laughs> I don't want to hear you. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't like baseball, why the fuck would I listen to you talk about baseball for two hours? Right. Like, that's so stupid. Yeah. So it's like, just be passionate about, you know, what you love and don't worry about what the fuck other people think because people will come along who are feel the same way. Mm -hmm. And those are the people that you're going to be friends with for the rest of your life. Those are the people that you're going to be able to, to identify with on like all these different levels because of their passion for the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that like this point circles back to that earlier thing that we we're saying is like, this is probably the tip of the iceberg of a lot of new people discovering hardcore. And there's like definitely gonna be a lot of people that are gonna maybe be a six month face and then bounce. But there will be people that discover it and have like the true authentic experience of like, I'm gonna go to a show, get my ass beat, and then love it, and then go travel <laughs> for a fest, and then start a band, and then come on Spencer's podcast and talk about my whole origin story. <laughs> um, you know, like so I think the top this topic specifically has come up on a number of different podcasts, but uh, I think on um, Angel and Z's episode, you were saying um, like hardcore is for everyone at face value, and I think th those last three words at face value were the thing that helped make it click and make sense because um i do agree that like accessibility and for people to be able to discover this whether it's through podcasts or different things is good um but at the same time it shouldn't just guarantee this like blissful like experience for people because it isn't for everyone on a longevity as aspect um do you have any thoughts on that yeah i mean i i Obviously, I, I very much agree with that. And, and there, there is like a, you want everybody to be able to be like, I'm going to go to a hardcore show. Like, I, I like these hardcore bands and, and all this shit. But there is this sense where it's like, not everybody does belong here. And, and it's, it's shitty because there's no other fucking kind of music that's like this. Mm -hmm. But there's no other kind of music that entails all the things that this entails you know what i mean and it's like, maybe you don't belong here a lot of people don't and there's nothing wrong with that but having this attitude of like well it's for fucking everybody like sure it's for everybody but it doesn't mean that everybody belongs you know there's a lot of people that'll come in that do shitty things and they're you know if you if you have a really shitty code of ethics and you come into hardcore 
you're not going to stick around long. Mm-hmm. People aren't going to trust you. People aren't going to be friends with you. You can go do that at a fucking EDM show, whatever the fuck. You can go do that there, and no one's going to have any sort of opinion or care or like, like this guy doesn't belong. It's like no, punk and hardcore have ethics for a reason. It's music based on ethics. It's music based on that, and it's just like you can't have you can't have one without the other. You, hardcore music, you you're there's going to be this like ethics and all these other things that are built into it. And it's like, and if you don't fucking want to follow that, or you don't want to abide by that fucking see you later. Right. You know, I I know a lot of people don't want to, don't want to, to glorify like violence or anything like that. But like the reality is, is like, this is a violent thing Mm -hmm. and we're, we all care about each other and we're all in it together, you know? But occasionally, like, there are violent things and crazy things that don't happen in normal everyday life. And, like, that shit's not for everybody. I fucking get it. I get it. It's not for everybody. But it's just the way it is, man. Like, you know, there will be – and I can see it coming now. I'm sure you probably see the same thing. There will be tons of normal people that come to shows that start fights and do whatever. And they get beat the fuck up and they won't understand that – Okay, no one at the show likes you now because you decided to swing at somebody for no reason. Then you got beat up and kicked out and you're all confused. And then you go online and you're like, the hardcore is fucking stupid, this, that, and the other thing. No, we just you you act like a moron and we don't like that. So we don't watch you here. Mm -hmm. That's as simple as that. And and either people will be course corrected and be and have and hopefully have enough self-awareness to be like yeah i was out of line doing that like i didn't know better like i deserve the ass whooping and you know yeah, I, yeah. but i feel like that's more like a 10 to 15 percent versus what we see now where someone Absolutely. someone gets something happen at a show and they will just obl- like just try to be a uh like a, a martyr on the internet and and try to rally oh, yeah, around people 100%. and 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 most of the time I see, you know, the masses of the community who get it to be like, no, you're a fucking clown. Like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, you um, you see it all in the fucking comments on the TV video, but you'll fucking see tons of people be like, this is fucking bullshit. This is fucking assault and whatever nonsense. And it's just like, first off, yeah, was it fucking stupid? Yeah, probably. But <laughs> a thousand percent, idiots. yes. Yeah, so it's like we're all idiots though. And if fucking uh, me and my friends want to throw a TV at each other, like fuck it, who cares? Mm-hmm. And the reality is, is like the whole room, it it has you know, maybe not the understanding they're gonna get hit with a fucking CRTV, but <laughs> they will have some level of understanding of like, hey man, fucking anything could happen. I don't fucking know. Somebody right. could stage dive on you and break your fucking neck. Like it could just shit can happen, but. I think there's that understanding there that that outside people don't have. Mm-hmm. They immediately are like, I would have fucking sued or I would have whatever nonsense they want to fucking talk mm-hmm. about. But it's just if you get it, you get it. If you don't, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. And 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 like it goes into that aspect of like, oh, are we just doing this to be violent or that or uh or we're just doing it to be ridiculous? Or, but some people honestly just get so like um uh Corey who sings for move he's been on the podcast before he's like i'm genuinely front flipping on stage for vain because their music makes me want to do that it's not like oh i'm just going to do this thing so i can you know have 
like be the you know the mosh gold star of the evening or anything like that it's like the music makes you yeah i i think i tweeted after the whole thing i'm like um don't act responsible during the king nine intro challenge impossible because even going back to wild rose when you guys played that that like i felt like i'm getting chills right now just thinking about it just seeing the whole room bouncing during that it's like yeah of course like of course the music is gonna like heighten like the the aggression the like uh intensity of everything that you're feeling and you know like nine times out of ten if there's someone that gets a broken nose or gets hit like you know there's pe there's enough people hopefully that are in the mix of it to be able to like okay like let, let's move this person out of the the kill zone so to speak and let's help them out and, and assess the uh the situation but to see so many people just take things to the extreme because they saw it on barstool sports is is crazy <laughs> yeah yeah it is fucking crazy and it's like dude and there isn't many things in, in life now that you can do that are are like an extreme you know mm -hmm. and and being able to like go to a hardcore show and like basically put yourself in harm's way for three hours and be like, this is fucking crazy. You're like defending yourself. Like, man, that shit's awesome. I don't care. That shit is fucking awesome. And then there, you know, again, like, obviously this isn't like, oh, people are just trying to hurt each other. Yeah. Sometimes they are, but it's like the, the whole, like, just like the act of everything and like being able to just like, you know, be in that scenario and have all your fucking senses heightened and be like, what the fuck is going on? Like, can't really do that in a lot of things now. And especially with the way, with the way things are, you know, and the way they're going with like how venues work and how they don't want this and they don't want that. And then to be able to have just a real ass hardcore show is it's like a fucking, you know, diamond in the rough. It's, it's, it's awesome. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's so, it's so cool to just have this thing. That's like, so just rare and yeah. like crazy. And you, you know, if someone, a normal person walks into it, I, I mean, I'm sure you guys have seen it. You see a normal fucking person just kind of stumble into a hardcore show and they're like, the fuck are these kids doing? And it's like, yeah. mm -hmm. it's awesome. It's mm -hmm. fucking awesome. It's insane. And it's awesome. Yeah. And, and the, I don't, I don't think any, that's the whole point of this. Nobody wants to lose that. Like, insaneness of all that because that's what makes this shit awesome right yeah and and to, to tie everything together to an earlier point where you're saying how like you know someone could be like oh it's just all these dudes just taking their shirts off to king nine it's like there's so much different styles of hardcore that you can get that like if you're if you're just a little mosh hesitant like maybe for a certain band you're like I'm standing at the front for this band, but when King Nine's playing, I'm maybe, you know, a ways back or things like that. Like, I'm still going to watch them play, but, like, I'm sure the people in the back of FYA watching you guys versus right at the front, like, the, I, I would be, I know that the experiences are, are way different. Because when you're in, like, the actual trenches and in the warfare and you're feeling all those things happening and have to have your spidey senses going at all times versus like you're just being in the back and just kind of like watching like the experiences are totally different for sure yeah a hundred percent so you brought up the uh the tv scenario so um talk to me about that from from your perspective because this is one of those things 
where something that gains virality in in hardcore it's usually to at least in my perspective there's almost like two parties and it's like it's it is everyone's like oh king nine the tv but i'm like it was the chisel who was playing so it's almost the same as when everyone was talking about the um scowl sonic um you know diy show yes. and it was like oh well like gel was the one that set that up so from your perspective like at least in the video it doesn't look like okay it's time for the tv time it was just like the tv's here and this is so sick that it's time to hulk smash this so any any behind the scenes that you want to share there well you want to know something very funny Always. Um, so the fest ended uh cold world got done playing and the after show was in start the after show started an hour after cold world cold world ended mm-hmm. our flights the next morning were at 7 a.m and the show ended and i was like ah oh, man i do want to see the chisel and war hungry again but i'm, I'm kind of tired we like left the venue and i was like oh, i think i'm just gonna fucking go to the hotel and i went to the hotel i was not even at the fucking after show and my band that was still there because rudder our drummer was not there either they were all so fucking drunk, and so was the chisel that they were just like, hey, "You gotta play the intro before we play." <laughs> just being fucking idiots. Sure. They, John, who plays guitar and he played drums and backtrack. John was like, "I'll play drums," and Martin from Criminal Instinct, God's Hate and Terror, was like, "Yeah, I'll play guitar." Yeah. So they, that's what's up there. It's Chris and Gianna on guitar normally, John on drums, Martine playing guitar, and Cal, who sings in the chisel, singing. And they're just playing the intro because they're just drunk and they're like, <laughs> "Oh, let's do it." And they found a TV on the side of the road and decided to put it in the fucking van and brought it on stage. And then I don't know what the fuck happened. And like, honestly. Alcohol is completely to thank for that <laughs> entire situation because that's really what it was. Every right. single person involved was smashed beyond belief, and they were just like, "Yeah, fuck it, throw the TV." Yeah. Uh, another funny part about this is, so I woke up. You know, I was asleep when this shit happened. Oh, I woke no. up. <laughs> yeah, I had no fucking clue any of this was going yeah. on. I I woke up, looked at my phone, I saw a couple pictures. I was like, "Ah, oh, that's funny," and then. uh I like actually got up out of bed and I looked around the hotel room. Our flight is at 7 a.m. and I woke up and it was like 5 30. Mm-hmm. And I so was you like, got to get going. You got to be there at least at six. Yeah. And I had to drop off a rental car. Oh, uh, shit. But I woke up and no one was in the hotel room. My whole, <laughs> I called them and they were like, oh, we're still at the bar. And I was like, oh, okay. Cool, man. You want to go get the fucking, go to the airport so we can leave? Right. So yeah, I, alcohol is completely to thank for whatever the fuck comes of this fucking TV yeah. shirt, you know, whatever shirt, the fucking video and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's so wild to think that there's some person out in, in Florida uh who was like, Man, I just gotta get rid of this TV. Maybe I'll just, I'll just put it on the side of the road and someone will grab it. Someone will like have their like N sixty four like setup or whatever. <laughs> No, it was uh it just became like a big viral hit in our community, yeah. which is hilarious. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, it it's yeah, it's just hilarious how like so like I think you can piece together like who's throwing the TV after it's been thrown in the pit, but like 
who I, I don't know the dude who actually threw it off stage. I don't know if that's a, like a chisel oh, member or someone else, or if we want to keep that person's I, identity. Well, you know what? No, I'll 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 say because he plays in the chisel. Okay. He, he he didn't hurt he didn't hurt anybody. Nothing happened. It just hit the fucking ground. So right. He plays in the chisel. He played in a band called Ricks too from France. It's just he's awesome. Yes. He's the fucking man. <laughs> but yeah, he's a he's a fucking nut job and just he's great. So, like, breaking down the why. Like, like so many people have been uh, talking about, you know, the intro, like the the King Nine intro, like it, it's it's that intense to with mixed with a bit of alcohol can can make someone do that as well as like all the other I'm sure crazy experiences that you've seen off of playing just like that one song. Why do you think that intro is so good? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so, it's like. I love it, obviously, and it's like I don't know. I don't know if it's the tempo of it, of the just like dun 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 dun, like that. I don't know what the fuck it is, but for some reason, everybody fucking loves it. And the the another funny part about this is we actually didn't play our own intro at FYA at all. It got played twice, and we didn't play it either time because Criminal what? Instinct played Criminal Instinct played our intro, and. We played the Criminal Instinct intro at right. FYI. Yeah, yeah. So I heard they you swap. played that at the actual fest, and then whatever version of King Nine and the Chisel <laughs> and Criminal Instinct, you know, amalgamated, played the intro at the fucking after show. We were, I was never on stage for one second of our intro during. Oh my gosh, the, that's the so funny. So uh, is the lesson it, learned to never not play the intro? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, fuck. I we didn't play it and it's it's all over the fucking internet. So maybe we just shouldn't play. <laughs> I almost think that if if you guys played it and maybe the the criminal instinct swap didn't happen and then the chisel did, I don't think that would be a special. Like I think it's cooler that you guys did yeah. it and then like two other bands did it and they had crazy reactions to it. Yeah, it, it is. It's fucking cool, man. I I you know there is like a. You know, it's like, oh, it's not like a really a song. It's like it's just an intro. It's just an, and it's like people just want to see an intro. But like the reality is, is a people don't just want to see an intro. But also, like, I don't know. It's fucking cool. It's a fucking quick, cool, heavy song. Everybody fucking has fun. It's one of those things too that, like, obviously over the years, it's just like gained steam. Like it, it, it never. It always gets crazier, 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 crazier. Like every time we play it. So it's like, it's not something that we're wherever like uh, maybe we shouldn't play anymore because there was a period of time it was never recorded we used to play it and it was an intro we wrote and we never recorded it for like five years oh wow and uh so we would play it and it would be like one of those things where it's like oh like you gotta see them to hear this fucking thing if if you know you know kind of thing yeah yeah and and I think it was uh, the second United Blood we ever played. So we had been a band for like four years or something like that. And we were like, yo, this will be the last time we play this. Like, we'll play this and we'll never play it again. And then we played it. And then I was like, the next show we played, I was like, we have to play. Why are we not going to play that? And then we were just like, all right, fuck it. We're just going to keep playing. But <laughs> yeah. So think that like, there was a, even a second for you to be like, maybe we should just shelf it. Because then we wouldn't have yeah. what we have today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it's... 
it's funny too because we had gotten this big argument over like whether or not we should record it for like kind of a similar similar reason Mm -hmm. and we're still split on it obviously it's out there you can go listen to it but we're still kind of split on like whether we should have done it or not and Mm -hmm. i don't know i think i think it's a fucking cool thing i think it's it's something not the coolest thing we've done but it's the thing that people know us the most for sure you know yeah which whatever dude everybody wants to fucking have fun and and jump around and it's cool being in an environment where everybody wants to participate in something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's definitely a God tier uh, intro in my books. And that's very, (laughs) very cool to see. Um, So another thing that's very intriguing to me, which is not hardcore related, but you've brought it up a couple of times on our podcast is you're an iron worker. So when did I guess like the pursuit of that career or that profession um, or that trade um, come into the picture for you. Have you always wanted to do that or did that come later in life? Dude, I, I, it's such a, like, there's nothing behind it. I, I stopped touring. I worked in a fabric warehouse for like a year and a little bit mm-hmm. and I was making like no money and uh, rudder, the, the drummer of King nine just like texted our group chat and was like, Hey, Cause at this point, you know, this is seven and a half years ago or something like that. He was like, yo, um, the iron workers are taking applications. Cause like a lot of people that were in our like daily group chat didn't have like careers or anything like that. So, you know, in, in New York city, a union labor job is a fucking good job. You, you make a living wage and you, you know, you do well for yourself. And, uh, he just texted our chat and was like, Hey, uh, structural iron workers are taking, uh, apprentices this year like they're gonna have applications at this time or whatever and i was like okay and i just went and got an application and took the test and got in and have been doing it for fucking seven plus years now and mm. that's just that there's like you know there's a lot of um lineage for most iron workers it, and it's it's kind of cool honestly it, it is really cool like it's always like oh my father was an iron worker my grandfather was an iron worker and it spans back 60 80 years of okay. iron working and it's, yeah but it's like, but, that's yours, how it but no one in your family has been an iron worker no. before okay i i am like an outlier okay it's really weird because when people ask me you know guys will be on the job and you know you're bullshit with something like oh how'd you get in the business and it's like i just took the test and they're like <laughs> you don't know anybody like no, I don't know anybody. Yeah. Like, who's your dad? No like, fam- no one you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Your father's not in the business. Your grandfather? I'm like, no. Right. I just took the test, and now I'm doing this. Like, mm-hmm. so it is a weird. It is like a weird way to get into it. But yeah, dude, I just I took it. Got did it when I you know the first year I worked, I was on the Verrazano Bridge, and I was like, ah, oh, this is not easy. This kind of sucks. But <laughs> you know, maybe it'll get better, and it it did. So. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. it's, it's fine. I think, I don't know if this is a thing with, uh, you're a couple of years older than me, but like, I don't know if this is a thing with like, I guess our generation or like that kind of span where there was like, cause my, so my dad, um, uh, like he's a VP at like a, a trucking company. And then my grandpa was at another trucking company as well. And it was always like this thing. It was like, oh, when are you, and there was this weird thing in my head. I'm like, I'm never going to work there. I'm never, and, and like, lo and behold, I ended up like working in the, like I was working in the marketing department cause I have like a video background and all that. But I was like, there was such a, like a distaste for following the, the quote unquote family tradition of whatever industry you're, you're partaking in. Um, but 
you know, hardcore and like playing music and all that, like none of my family has any really like background in that. So it's like kind of the same as being an outlier. But I don't know if that's like a generational thing because there I do have friends that followed in the footsteps of being able to do something that their parents did. But I have seen a lot more people like who have discovered a passion or started to do something totally outside of that and started to pave their own way. I, th I think a lot of that has to do with like access to information because, you know, our, par our, our parents' generation and the generation after them, like they might not have really had too much access to be like, oh, there's this thing that I wouldn't have known about that I'm like super interested in now and I'm passionate about because I just have all of this information on it and I read about it and it seems really cool. Like they don't have that. Right. So it's just like, but they didn't have that. Yeah. So I think that our generation is able to just see like there are so many different things that you can do and you have the ability to like teach yourself how to do them and get really good at them and do right. all this shit that's like, you know, fucking you could kind of do whatever. If you want to fucking put your time in and figure it out, you can kind of do whatever the hell you want. And like, mm -hmm. you know, my fa my family used to be the caretaker of a cemetery. Like that's what that's what my grandfather did. Okay. And and that was like passed down. That was like a thing that was passed down mm -hmm. to him. And then my father was like, my 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 father's father was the caretaker of the cemetery. He died when my father was really young. My father was a fucking teenager. And he was like, okay, well, I don't know how to do this because it was never really passed down to me. And he just decided to fucking do something else. And it's just like, he kind of had no choice, but he also didn't have information. Like he could have fucking done a number of things if, if he had the fucking internet, who knows? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's like mostly what it is. It's just like access to information. And like, you know, I think that, has some positives and negatives because it leads people to to want to strive for this like big thing where like i'm gonna be fucking an influencer like whatever nonsense you know they want to like have that like upper echelon they want to get into instead of like their generation where it's like well i just want a good job and want to be able to provide for my family like right. i think there's like this disconnect but yeah i, I really think that's like I think you're right. I think that there is a bigger um, <clears throat> difference in like uh, career paths generation to generation now than there ever has been. Yeah, there, I think there's definitely I'm a little scared personally because like there's um, like I, I grew up on YouTube and watching a lot of different things and I, I'm still plugged into different things that aren't just like the like fat like youtube fast food just like stuff that's just like for clickbait and all like there's certain uh creators and people that i've followed over the years that actually give me like insightful information into like the creative stuff that i'm doing um whether they have like any ties to hardcore or not but like now it's just weird hearing that like every like eight to eleven year old across the country is like i want to be a influencer i want to be a tiktok person i'm like that shit is scary because like the whole thing in my opinion when it comes to whatever you do creatively it's like you might be able to like do all this stuff and you might get a little bit but very few people can actually like um make it into a living like very few bands are even able to like make it actual actually viable for them to tour all year round or you know to to do like to be able to have 
that aspect of your, their life, um, you know, to pay certain bills. So it's wild that people have this like, oh, because I follow a certain like some some brothers or a certain influencer, it's like I, that will happen. Um, and there is a grit to like being able to grind and do some of that. But like it's like to devalue like trades or like other jobs like that, where some of those people might be passionate about it is uh, is uh, is a little freaky to me personally. I think I think that it it also like represents like an easy path. People think like, oh, you just film yourself, right? And that's like you make you know. What I mean, I think it represents like a very easy path to uh, being rich or whatever, whatever the fuck. But I I uh, I always think about this stuff in terms of like generation to generation, and I think that we're both you know thirty thirty plus years old. I think that as you get older, everybody does the same thing to every generation. They look at what they're doing now and they're like, oh, they're fucked. They're <laughs> fucked. And it's, you know, when we were fucking kids and our parents saw us on the internet all the time and you're fucking at, on the computer at home, but, you know, fucking whatever, playing Counter Strike for fucking 10 hours a yeah, day. It's like, escape, your parents whatever probably looked at yeah. you. Yeah, their parents probably looked at you and they probably said the same thing. They're probably like, this generation's fucked they're talking sitting behind the computer and then their fucking parents probably did the same shit to them when they were like oh the, the music they're listening to it's i feel like there's this thing that happens like generation to generation where like the generation that is exiting their childhood believes that there is like this like impending doom that's coming for the next generation of kids and like whether or not it's true, I don't know, but I do think that that is like something that that people tend to uh, like. They, they, I think we do it as you get older without really thinking, you know. Like, sure. I, you know, I see, I see the same thing you see. I think the same thing. Like, oh, all these fucking kids are like fucking want to be like this and that, but like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe fucking our parents' generation or their parents' generation was like, oh, all these fucking people see these these rock stars up on stage and that's all they want to be. They don't want to fucking work. And it's like, uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. Someone said once where it's like people that complain about like millennials or, or whatever generation that they're talking about. It's like, well, who's the generation that raised those kids? Yours. Right. Always the problem. Yeah. Right. It's always the problem. It's like when the fucking TV first came out, people were like, they have a fucking TV and they're on, they're not leaving. They're not doing this. And it's just like, Oh yeah, a TV is ruining society. Like, what right. are we talking about? Uh, and and even like the oh, everyone's like you know sitting on their phones on the subway and not uh you know talking to the the fellow uh, passengers. It's like you know cut to everyone reading the newspaper and not uh, communicating with one another. So I've been taking the train a long time. I've been taking the train since before I had a phone. Since before phones were a thing, I can't remember a time where people were just sitting on the train like, oh, how's it going today? And nobody <laughs> fucking did that. So I don't know if people just like have this like fantasy in their head that like, you know, they're, it's just like the good old days shit. It's like yeah. things used to be different. It's like, cool. You also fucking lived in a completely different world than we live in right now. And it could never be the same. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard, I think like the optimistic side of me and, and something I heard on a podcast where it's like, as technology is just like accelerating at like such a fast rate like there might be a world that certain jobs um are just like replaced you know by technology and it's automated and it allows 
people just to have more creative suited jobs because like you know we've seen things like you know ai generated things but i feel like that's very like it's just a blip versus like oh this is gonna like replace all these graphic designers and all these things but like i i do like the idea of being able to you know see like kind of go with and see where it goes but at the same time it's like you know i don't think iron workers are going anywhere because even if it's like someone's coming up with a robot to be able to do that like there's still like i i personally would bet on any amount of human error that would go into building something versus a robot which could fluctuate like here or there 100 mm-hmm. percent. you know there are um there are a lot of things that come out like you know, there's like a saying when, when you, especially with old timers, when you, you go to do something and you like, you know, when you're younger, you think like you can do things like one way, like, oh, maybe I can do it like this. And they're all old timers. They always will be like hundred years. And they say that because I, you know, we've been iron, our local has been iron working for a hundred years. And you think you could just fucking come up with a new way to do it now. It's been the same way for a hundred fucking years with slight technological advances you know like bolts instead of rivets and like that's kind of it (laughs) so it's like you know it's 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 a very old trade and a lot of trades are very old trades and they're they're yes i'm sure at some point some of this stuff can be automated but i i truly don't think that most of it can and and i i think i have kind of a uh an unpopular opinion about this but i think that there is a point that we're coming to where I think that like the reeling in of like AI and things like that is going to start to happen. I think it's going to go a little further and then it's going to reel in a little bit because there are just things that you, you can't do like just, just there. It's not worth it for you to try to automate driving a fucking car because it clearly doesn't fucking work. <laughs> right. Like it clearly has tons of fucking problems. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, reaction timing and all that shit like computers fuck up you know people do too of course they do but like i don't know man i i I think that that there is um yeah i think there's just like a point that we're coming to that's going to kind of be like uh you know like a fork in the road whether it's like we just go fully into it or we do like be like ah maybe we shouldn't fucking do this you know what i mean yeah because i just think it's like you know uh just the way the natural progression of things obviously would say otherwise but i think something's got to give at some point yeah and i don't think you're totally out, out to lunch with that opinion because i do think it's like i think anything like i think that we have just seen movies like i don't know if you notice like you know you're pointing out things in my background but i don't know like i have a delorean print up here okay, back yeah, to the future see now. i, I have a what it was, but tattooed on my Uh, wrist so like the whole like time travel and the future and all that has you know just been something that like you know like that's one of my favorite movies but i think we as humans like we see a lot of that as far as like the what could be's and then the minute that we have a taste of that or even like a sniff of it it's like oh like let's do it right now but it's like clearly we do not have self-driving anythings at scale and perfected so like to even you know to, to to echo your point of like 
like not only like a car that maybe like is picking you up and taking you somewhere like i'm freaked out about the self-driving semi-trucks that like they're trying to do i'm like oh have you seen a semi-truck go out of control because of weather or a driver's will sleep at the wheel that shit it's like let alone killing one person but killing like dozens of people depending on the situation i mean look at look at the um Oh my god, I'm forgetting their name. The junior hockey team. The um, I I completely I'm forgetting their name, but you know what I'm talking about that their bus got fucking hit by a semi, mm-hmm. and like obviously that was not that was you know manned by somebody, and and it's a tragic story, but it's like okay, now take that and put a a computer behind it, yeah, and it's like that shit's gonna happen more often than not because. Yes, of course, the computer is like, oh, well, it's it's a computer. It can't fuck up. And it's like, I guarantee you that computer is going to fuck up more than somebody who has 15 years behind the wheel. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I just think, and I also think that, like, you can't, we can only go so far subsidizing people's jobs. You, what do you, like, what the fuck are you going to do? You're just going to say, oh, well, trucking doesn't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody who is a trucker, go fucking find something else to do. And it's like, yeah, maybe that will happen over time, but it, it can't just happen immediately. That would fucking crash the economy. It would, it would create a huge problem. You know what I mean? And like, obviously, the, the people who want these things to happen stand to benefit the most from them. But That's I, the I think thing. it's, yeah, yeah I, I think at some point, like, there just has to be like a, like a, uh, 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 somebody has to put their foot down almost and be like we can't do this like just enough is enough we don't need to fucking to to be automating everything and doing it like it, it just doesn't need to happen i think and it's like I, I know i sound like a fucking like i'm 80 years old like working in a fucking coal mine but like you know at some point like technology doesn't have to take away every single job there's ever fucking been Right. Because that's like the way it's going. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. technology replaces job after job after job after job. And it's like, what the fuck are you going to be left with? You know, like not even not too long ago, like there used to be toll booths all around the New York City. There's fucking 21 bridges in New York. There used to be toll booths on most of them. There's no toll booths anymore. They all got taken out. Every person who was a toll booth operator lost their job. And like, you know, the job sucks, but it was a decent paying job and, and it provided people's families and like, now what? Right. And then it's like, okay, now that happened. Guarantee you the next thing to go is going to be fucking parking, uh, you know, meter maids, the people who do give out parking tickets. Mm. No one likes it, but that job is a job and somebody has to fucking do it and they get paid and they provide yeah. for their family with it. It's like, I guarantee you, give it fucking two or three years, it's just going to be a camera hooked up to a car that scans license plates, which which exists that, now. That happens in Calgary, actually. There's yeah, a person and driving a car with, a, it looks like a like an overhead hatch, but there's a, like 15 yeah, cameras, and they're just going yeah. and pop, 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 pop. So like, yeah, they just they just zap whatever car. And then like, send tickets, it in the email and blah, blah, blah. That's it. Yeah. Dude, I guarantee you that's going to happen fucking everywhere because it's like, oh, we can eliminate 10,000 fucking jobs. See ya. Because the city needs to make more money. And it's just like, I don't know, man. Some some shit, sure, it's going to be automated. There's nothing you can do. But I just, it sucks. Because yeah. then you there's going to be more and more and more and more people that don't have fucking jobs. And right. then what the fuck are we going to do? Yeah. Like, 
first off, I, I did not anticipate to pit on this shit uh, in our conversation, but it's been very interesting because it, it, it's like, yeah, some people listening like can be like, oh, yeah, it's great that like I don't have to go stand in line at McDonald's. I can just like either order on my app or I can like hit the fucking screen and then it will like come out to me. But like at the same time, like that person that maybe that's X that's taking out. Um, I fear like just removing human interaction and like in in those kind of scenarios is like almost like having a a negative effect on like making it easier and easier to not interact with other people in the world uh, on a day to day basis. A hundred percent. That's a huge part of it. And it's also like whenever I go to places like that that have that, like I make it a point to. Go to the person. Like I'm not. Right. I'm not doing. It. I'm going to order with you. We're going to do this the same way we've done it for I don't know how long. I'm not going to. It was funny on the Hardlore episode. You were like, I'm not ordering through a fucking app. Yeah. And jokes aside, it, like, like it's it's clear. It's like, yeah, I want to talk to a person who's going to make my. Yeah, and, it, and it's like <laughs> honestly, like I'm thinking about it, and it's just like, it's not. Yes, like obviously the human interaction thing is something, but it's also like. I don't want, I am thinking about it. Like, I don't want you to lose your fucking job. I'm going to order through you because the more people that order through you, they're going to get the analytics of everything and be like, well, people seem to be ordering through a person more than the fucking computer. So maybe, and it's just like, I don't want that. I don't want to go into every place you go into. You're going to fucking have to do that. Every place you go into, you're going to have to No, you, you scan it. Mm -hmm. There's a fucking Bill Bird joke about it where it's just like, Oh, I didn't know I was on the schedule today. I have to ring up all my own shit, bag my own shit, and do all this. It's like, why the fuck am I coming to you? It's just like you're like coming to my store. You fucking pick it out. You scan it. You pay for it and get the fuck out. That's right. like how it is, and it's like that shit is is so. It's the antithesis of like everything that's supposed to be what a community is about. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fucking walk into somebody and just go fucking press buttons on a computer talk to zero people and go home every day. But that's what shit's turning into. You go on your fucking phone and you're fucking, oh, I'm going to order my groceries. I'm going to order this. And you're just pressing buttons. And it's like, dude, you know, I'm fucking guilty of it. I order fucking seamless and like, you know, whatever delivery apps all the time. But like, it sucks, man. It fucking sucks. Yeah. It sucks that this is like where we're headed. And, and, and again, like, I, I don't want to sound like I'm fucking 80 years old being like back in my day, but it's just like, dude, this is no way to like fucking have any sort of like a sense of like community with people around you. Mm-hmm. Like it fucking sucks. Like, yeah, I like, I like going into my coffee shop and bullshitting with the people at the coffee shop, the people that work there. They know me. I go in there all the time. Right. Like I, I like that. I don't like to fucking walk into a place and be like, Oh, I have an order on the fucking app. And I just, I don't talk to him, but I just walk in and pick it up. Cool. I saved a whole fucking minute of my life to be just like have to not talk to anybody like that shit sucks man yeah. I, I i'm not i'm not into it i, I think i'm gonna I think in the next 30 years i'm gonna have some real struggles in my fucking life <laughs> well it's very interesting that we're talking about this because like the other day um just having a like a day one of those days where it's like you feel like you're just on autopilot jumping from thing to thing and i was picking up like lunch uh for my wife and the guy like you know when you go somewhere and it's like the person is being like really really like friendly and being like how's your day and and you're just like i don't want to fucking talk to you but like yeah yeah. and then i left there because i'm just giving him the shortest answers to try to give him the cue like i'm not in in that kind of mood and like he wasn't picking up on it and he was just a lovely you know middle eastern dude 
And I walked out of there being like, I'm an asshole. Like, why did I not like <laughs> try to enter? So it, it it is a reality check, I think, for when you have those you know, there's the the intentional community when you go to a hardcore show where you go to like a coffee spot where it's like, oh, these are my people. But you're still going to have to run into people that is maybe your one and only interaction with them ever in your life. You know, you know, someone uh, at the grocery store or like maybe like you get into a little fender bender like that is still some interaction. And that could either have a, a positive in, in impact that maybe helps your day a little bit or it's going to be like blow up in a negative way. Um, and then you're just like thinking about that all the time. So yeah, that it's just like, for me, it's now I'm just thinking anytime I go to the grocery store, based off this conversation, I'm gonna be like, no, I'm going to get rung up by the person, um, versus having to, 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 to do it myself. Yeah. I mean, and I hope people <laughs> listening to do that as well. <laughs> I, I hope so too. Cause it really does at least temporarily save some jobs. And I know that's not what, what's on everybody's mind right away. And they, but like, that is something I think about often. Like mm -hmm. the more you interact with actual employees of a place and the more that you use, you utilize an employee for whatever they do, the more likely it is that they keep their job and that they're able to continue to have that job. And, and yeah, man, it's, it, it's not, ideal yeah the way the way we're we're going right now but i don't know yeah uh, well no it, it's wild to think that uh i was not expecting to hit on the economic state of the world with with uh the vocalist of king nine so much um today but you know that that's that's the beauty of this podcast and being able to like have uh people like yourself on um and have really cool conversations hardcore or non-hardcore related um, Dan, before we start to wrap up the show, I asked the same guest, the same outro question before we end, uh, head towards the close off the top of your head. Tell me a memorable mosh story that you would like to share. And that could be anything violent, wholesome, uh, happened at a King nine show or just any show that you were attending anything that's off the top of your head. Uh, my the one show I always think of uh, in like like us crazy or whatever uh, is Bulldoze or excuse me not Bulldoze they played a different show it was Biohazard and Life of Agony uh, at a club called the Crazy Donkey on Long Island in two thousand and eight I think it was okay. two thousand eight or maybe two thousand that that show was so goddamn fucking crazy and i remember bobby hamill the second biohazard started playing they opened with shades of gray and he was like because there was a there was a barricade and there was bouncer you know bouncers in between the barricade and stage and he and the second they started playing he was like fuck this shit everybody come up on stage fuck these bouncers get the fuck out of here and it was like the craziest coolest shit ever and he was just spinning a million miles an hour playing and it was fucking awesome it was so fucking cool like the whole biohazard set was so crazy and awesome and then life of agony played it was the same fucking way it was packed with people just like we're talking about just like dudes shirts off i got my fucking nose broken i remember it it was it was so fucking cool though and and i will always remember that show that's that's one of my favorite shows ever there wasn't like a specific thing that happened at the show that was like crazy or whatever but it was fucking awesome. Those two sets back to back was like, 
ah, it was it was fucking amazing. It was like such a perfect perfect show. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're talking about like all like all these job things, and I'm sure the the people who were hired to to do security or bouncing or whatever the fuck were probably like, well, yeah. do we even need to be here? But I guess we're getting paid, so maybe we just stand. Aside. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck it. If, if they don't want you to fucking be there, just stand to the side, collect a fucking check, and be done with it. <laughs> right. Um. Well, Dan, this is again have been a really really fun conversation with you. Uh, all the links to King Nine stuff and and all your shit will be in the description in the show notes. Uh, anything you want to plug? Anything you want to say? or anything you want to send the people off with before we go? Uh, I don't have much to plug other than the fact that King Nine will be putting out two EPs this year. Mark my words. Um, other than that, uh, shout out to everybody listening. Shout out to all of our Calgary friends. And uh, yeah, don't don't decide. Don't ditch hardcore because you think you're cool. Just fucking stick with it if you love it. Love that. Um, I challenge everyone listening to this podcast, whether you're on your way to the grocery store or just left, uh, make sure you're getting your groceries checked out by a person. Um, you know, maybe it's the uh, the King Nine challenge of <laughs> getting your yeah, yeah. of getting uh, you, you know giving back your economy. Stop, yeah, stop using fucking computers. Just fucking go up to a person and get use them. <laughs> it's gonna help. It's gonna help them in the long run. And you're you're fucking whatever. You you spend an extra minute of your time doing it. Yeah, and if not someone might be just around the corner throwing a CRTV at you um, to punish you. Uh, Dan, thank you again for the great combo. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed this.